0: I wonder if in the house today we have any book lovers. I won't ask for a show of hands. You know who you are. Some of you are totally disinterested in spending your free time reading. You'd rather be doing anything else than pick up a book. But a lot of you, that's what you would love to do more than anything else, is is to grab a book and become involved in it and uh, really dive in and just get lost in the pages and in the story that it tells. This morning, and by the way, uh, keep your e-reader to yourself. I'm not interested. I'm an old school guy when it comes to books. I like to feel the pages in my hand. I like to smell the paper. So I'm not interested in your Kindle or your iPad. I want to read the real thing. And this morning, I brought some of my favorite books, some books that have Impacted me that I have enjoyed. And, you know, I haven't read widely in my life, but I do enjoy reading. And these are some of my favorites. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. A brilliant mind, an insightful defense of the Christian faith, I think should be required reading for all people of faith. Man, this book has blessed my life, and this thinker has blessed me, and I think blessed the church Love Mere Christianity, I think it's his best, and one of my favorite books. I love this big book, it's called The Church of Christ, and it's by Everett Ferguson. Now, some of you might not be into this kind of reading, it's fairly scholarly. Everett Ferguson, a world-renowned scholar, a former professor at Abilene Christian University. I've been greatly blessed by this book. He talks about, from his extensive experience and study of God's Word, what the church ought to believe, what the church ought to do, how, how we should operate. And I have turned time and time again to the words on these pages to learn more about what the church ought to be so that we can exemplify the church of today. Great book. And I've been greatly blessed by it. Here's one that's not like the rest because it's a novel. It's a work of fiction. And it's called Gilead by an author named Marilyn Robinson. And it is written... Um, firsthand from the perspective of an aging minister. And he's trying to understand if his life has had any significance. And he's writing to his much younger son. And he's imparting to his young son what he thinks and believes his son most needs to know about his life and how, he, how his son ought to live his life through the remainder of his days. I was so moved by these beautiful words in this work of fiction. And then here's one last one, and I could include several more. I thought about the book To Kill a Mockingbird, a favorite of many Americans. Many, Most American children have to read it in middle school, but that's a book that's one of my favorites, but I couldn't find my copy today. Here's one more, Sticky Faith. This book has impacted my thinking as a minister and as a parent. It's based on research, and it's all about what we can do in order to instill a lasting faith in our kids. You've heard me talk about it. You know that I'm passionate about it and that it's blessed the way that I parent and minister. So those are just some of the books that I have enjoyed that have impacted my life. But the book with the biggest impact of all is this book right here. My Bible. This is the most important book in my life. And I bet since you're gathered here this morning, Since you you have chosen to be in this place on this special day on the Lord's Day, I bet this is the most important book in your life as well. My memory is filled with its stories from years of hearing them in Sunday school classes and from sermons. My vocabulary is shaped by the language in this book. My life has been changed, transformed, by its teachings, and I pray will continue to be changed by its teachings for the remainder of my days. We are starting, we've been doing this one word series, looking at important words from the Scriptures that pertain to our faith, but today we're starting a mini-series on God's Word, on the Bible. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about these words. This may not be the exact order, I can't remember, but we're talking about covenant, prophecy, prophecy, Truth and gospel. And they all go under the larger heading of God's Word. It should make you a bit uncomfortable that this even made its way into this stack. Because this is not like these. This is not like any other book. It doesn't belong with the rest. It is in a category all its own. It's a special book indeed. And it's a special book because I believe this is a divine book as we just sang about, that precious book divine. Yes, it may be written by human hands, but it has God at its very source. You know, there's plenty of folks who make fun of the Bible, mock the Bible, deride the Bible. I'm thinking about a song that came out several years ago, and it was a song that was supportive of Same-sex relationships and marriage. It was called Same Love. And there's a line in that song that is aimed at those who might use the Bible and and biblical teaching uh, to oppose homosexual relationships and same-sex marriage. And the line was, we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. Now, there's a lot to talk about in that one line a lot to discuss, and we don't have time to get into all of it. But what I want you to hear in that line is someone who is mocking God's Word and deriding the Bible, basically saying it is an old, outdated, dusty book, and it has no relevance for our lives today. It was written like 3,500 years ago. I had a Facebook friend just a few weeks ago in a lengthy post, but he said this, it is a book of rules, talking about the Bible, a book of rules from thousands of years ago. In, order, in other words, he's saying it shouldn't even come into the conversation when we're talking about how we ought to live our lives today. But that doesn't describe the Bible that I know. That doesn't describe the precious book that, that I have read and heard stories from and teachings from throughout my life. I believe, and you believe since you're here, we believe that this Bible is not some outdated, dusty old book, but rather it is the place where God reveals Himself and His will to humanity. That's the Bible. I think we, and I heard a writer say this many years ago, we as Christians have a divinely given tendency to view the Bible as the place, ultimately the only place, where we find the message of everlasting life. In other words, we are drawn by God back to the Scriptures. We have this built-in belief that the Bible is where we go if we want to know God and understand His will and come to, to the knowledge that brings about eternal life. God is the one working through us to continue wooing us back to the pages of the Scriptures. Think about our sermon last week. We talked about the blessings that we enjoy that come from God through our faith in Jesus Christ, through the act of baptism. We called them the big three. The greatest promises of the gospel. Forgiveness of our sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and eternal life. Now, we couldn't know about any of those things were it not for this book. We only know that through Jesus we can have forgiveness and the Holy Spirit and eternal life because of the Holy Scriptures. Now, we can understand some things about God and His greatness and His power from looking around at the world today. And Frank has already made mention of that. We've already sung about that. And if you saw the eclipse, you know that. And you were in awe of a mighty God who created the universe. But we can't know everything from looking around at creation. There are some things that we only know because God has revealed them to us in a special way. And so when we see this, I don't know what you think when you see this book, but when we see this book, it really ought to lead us to praise and glorify God. This book should be a reminder of how gracious God is. This book is a gift of divine grace. Because you know what this book says? This book, just by its existence, tells us that God loves us. That He loved us enough that he, that he wants us to know who He is and what He's all about. That He wants us to understand His will for our lives. This book should communicate to us that our God is a generous God. A gracious God. And He wants to, to share a relationship with us. He wants to understand His heart and what He's all about. So This is a gift. The Bible's a gift of divine grace because it shows us that God wants us to know Him personally. But this is not just what I claim about the Bible. I'm not just up here saying that the Bible is a a divine book because I have a hunch about it or a personal belief. This is what the Bible claims for itself. And what I want us to look at this morning is 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. That's our text for today. It was already read for us. You may want to open up your Bible and go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I've got the text up here on the screen, I believe. Paul here says in these verses that all Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be competent, equipped, equipped, for every good work. Now that is a verse, a couple verses that would be worth memorizing. Beautiful, beneficial verses from God's word. And I want us to to break them down this morning. I want us to take them piece by piece. Okay. First of all, all scripture, this is where Paul begins in verse 16, all scripture. What does he mean by that? Well, at this time, all 39 books of the Old Testament would have been recognized as Scripture. And so we can know that Paul is talking about what we have in our Old Testament, all 39 books from the the Old Covenant. But is he also, I believe he also is talking by implication about the books that we have in our New Testament. You see, early in the church, the writings of the New Testament were already recognized as Scripture. I want to point to a couple of what I think are really interesting verses this morning. The first of which comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 15. Peter is writing this, and he says, Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. So we have Peter, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, But he's writing here and he's making reference to the writings of Paul. And listen to what he says. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, Peter says, about Paul. And so if you've ever been reading any of Paul's letters and you've had a little bit of trouble understanding what he's talking about, then just know that you're in good company Because even the Apostle Peter said that some of Paul's writings are a little bit difficult. So I feel a little bit better this morning knowing that when I don't understand exactly what Paul said, neither did Peter all the time. He says, they're sometimes hard to understand, but the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You hear what he does there? He says, people read Paul's writings and they twist them, they distort them as they do the other scriptures. Peter places Paul's writings in the category of the scriptures, the holy scriptures. He places them in the pantheon of the Old Testament scriptures. Now, this is early in Christian history, and Peter is already recognizing that the writings of the apostle Paul are holy scripture. But it doesn't stop there because in one of Paul's writings... In actually the letter that, that precedes 2 Timothy, where our text is found this morning, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, listen to what he says. This is Paul, 1 Timothy 5, 18. The Scripture says, and then he provides two quotations. The Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So the first statement we see, comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. Definitely part of the Scriptures. One of the first five books of the Old Testament. Part of the Pentateuch. So yeah, Deuteronomy is part of the Scriptures, included in the Scriptures. But where does that second quotation come from? The laborer deserves his wages? It comes from the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 10, at verse 7. And so in these two passages that I have mentioned, you have Peter referring to Paul's letters as scriptures, and you have Paul referring to the gospel of Luke as the scriptures. And I say all this because you have folks who will come along and say, well, the New Testament wasn't completed until hundreds of years after the life of Jesus and his apostles. And maybe that's true that it wasn't finalized until later, but what I'm pointing out to you is that the writings that comprise the New Testament were regarded as Scripture, as authoritative messages from God early on. And it was the Holy Spirit who not only inspired the writers to, to bring these writings about, but who also had a hand in making sure that we have what we need in our New Testament. And so it's implied here when when Paul says all Scripture, he's not just talking about the Old Testament, he is talking Us today as believers in the 21st century is talking about the New Testament as well. All Scripture. And so we can be confident that what we have in our Bibles today are the very words of God. Inspired of God. Which leads me to the next phrase here. Breathed out by God. Now that's what I have in the ESV. The translation that I'm using this morning. Breathed out by God. This is a literal translation of the Greek word theopnoestos. Big long Greek word, but it comes from the words God and and breath. And it literally means breathed out by God. It is elsewhere uh, translated inspired. Maybe in the Bible that you use, you see the word inspired. And uh, that's our one word for the day. Inspired. And... This is the only appearance of this word in the Bible, and it's the only appearance of this word in any of the Greek literature at the time. We only see this word in any of the documents that have survived right here. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, which leads some people to believe maybe Paul coined this word himself in order to describe the distinctiveness of the Scriptures. All Scriptures are breathed out By God. All Scripture has at its source, God Himself. As you know, the Bible is a diverse collection of writings. But what our passage is teaching us, is that no matter what type of writing we're dealing with, when we come to the Word of God, it is God-breathed. The stories and the narratives that we read in the book of Genesis, they're God-breathed. The books of the prophets in the Old Testament with their repeated refrains, the word of the Lord came, or thus saith the Lord, those are God-breathed. The praises and the thanksgivings and the complaints and the reflections of the psalmists, mysteriously, those are God-breathed. Those bureaucratic documents that are preserved for us in the book of Ezra, those are God-breathed. The Gospel of Luke. Which is the result, Luke says, of his own extensive research into the life of Jesus Christ. He did his homework before he wrote. His gospel is God-breathed. Because of the mysterious and the amazing work of the Holy Spirit, God is the source of all Scripture. All of it. Every last word is God-breathed. And lastly, I want us to look at this word, profitable. All Scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable, meaning it's beneficial, meaning you will gain something from it as you read it. You will be blessed by going and reading the very words of God from the Holy Scriptures. He says it's profitable for teaching and for reproof and for correction and training in righteousness that the person of God may be competent, may be equipped for every good work. So the Bible is going to give you everything that you need in order to accomplish every good work that you'll ever do in your entire life. It gives you everything that you need in order to live a life that is pleasing to God. It is of great benefit to you to study the Scriptures. And there's great gain involved in going time and again to the pages of this holy book. So the Bible itself claims that God... Is its source? This is not just something we happen to believe that we've just made up. No, the Bible itself makes this claim for itself. It's not some dusty old book that's irrelevant that was written thousands of years ago and that we should just put on our shelves and forget about and never pull off again and never allow it to speak to our lives and our situation today. No, it means something. And the Bible tells us, Exactly what it is in its very nature. But I also want to point you this morning to the shape, to the story of the Bible. Because the story of the Bible also affirms for us that it is special. That it's divine in nature. You see, the Bible contains remarkable unity in theme, in purpose, in teaching, Despite great diversity. Think about this. The Bible was written over a period of 1600 years, from 1500 BC to 180 or so. It covers some 60 generations of people. The Bible was written by some 40 authors from many walks of life Moses, a political leader, Peter was a fisherman, Amos was a herdsman, Joshua, a military leader, Nehemiah was a royal cupbearer, Daniel was a prime minister, Luke was a doctor. Solomon was a king, Matthew was a tax collector, and Ezra was a scribe. Its authors lived in many different places. Moses was from out in the wilderness. Jeremiah lived in a dungeon. Daniel dwelt on a hillside and then in a palace. Paul was in prison a lot. Luke traveled regularly. John was exiled to the island of Patmos. Its authors wrote at different times. David during war, Solomon during peace, John during persecution. Its authors wrote in different moods. Jeremiah, as you remember, was sorrowful. Job was suffering. David was joyful. The Bible was written on three different continents. Asia, Africa, and Europe. In three different languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. But despite all this diversity, the Bible is a unified book with a clear purpose and message. Jesus is its perfect hero, The good of humanity is its goal and the glory of God is its end. It tells from start to finish one coherent story. The story of the coming of the Messiah so that lost sinful humans might have life through him. No human could have done that. No human could have orchestrated that. Could have compiled a book like that. God. Has spoken through his word. And God still speaks through his inspired word today. I wonder if you believe that. I think about what the Hebrews writer said, Hebrews chapter 4, at verse 12. The word of God is living and active. So God is still communicating and speaking through and changing lives through those who come to his word with an open mind and an open heart. God's word is living and active. I think about what an English preacher said from hundreds of years ago. John Robinson, he said, The Lord hath yet more light and truth to break forth from his holy word. What if we woke up every morning and we believed that? That as we read and studied our Bibles in the coming day, that God was still willing and, and we had faith that He would reveal more of His Word to us day in and day out. Do we really believe that God hath yet more light and truth to break forth from His Holy Word? That we haven't gotten it all figured out yet? That we haven't noticed everything that we ought to notice in the pages of these book, in this book? That there are unsearchable riches here? That as we go time and again, we will see new insights and new truths that we didn't notice before that will bless our lives and lead us to, to living a, a more upright and godly existence. There is yet more light and truth to break forth from this holy word. Do we believe it? Yesterday, I attended uh, the funeral of my great uncle, and I spoke at this funeral and I was so impressed with, from talking with his family, from hearing the other speakers, of his love for the Word of God. He loved the Word of God. He loved the Holy Scripture so much that he taught himself Greek and Hebrew, in order, the original languages, in order to better understand God's Word. Now, as somebody who's had Greek and Hebrew classes, That is really impressive to me. I barely learned those languages. I don't remember much. And I had somebody else teaching me. He taught himself because of his love for God's Word. And his kids told me that even into his last days, as cancer ravaged his body and as dementia ravaged his mind, that he would go to his computer and he would open up the commentaries that he had saved there so that he could read more about God's Word. At 90 years old, a very learned man, Great knowledge of the scriptures, but he knew he hadn't figured it all out yet. He knew he hadn't learned everything there was to learn from this holy, divine, inspired book. He knew there was yet more light and truth that God was going to break forth for him through this word. I think about our sister, Laurel Griselle. We got a big crew down here, with family members, here to celebrate her life and say Goodbye. I read several tributes to Sister Laurel on Facebook that the family posted. And in every single tribute, there was made reference her love for the Bible. In all of them. They all said things like, she read her Bible every day. She loved her Bible. She would talk to anybody about her Bible, about the Bible. She was always talking about what was in the Bible. She was teaching people about the Bible. Our sister, Laurel, believed there was yet more light and truth to break forth from God's Word, from God's holy, inspired Word. She loved the Bible. And she believed that God still spoke through His Word today. I'm wondering if we believe it. I'm wondering if you believe it. I tell you what, I want to love God's inspired Word more than I do now. I want to have a greater desire to read. I want to have greater diligence to study. I don't want to just read about God's Word in a Sunday school manual or a commentary or some other Christian book. I want to develop in me a love to read the Scriptures, believing that they are truly the words of God, inspired by Him, breathed out from His mouth, you love God's Word? Maybe you want to come today and you want to say, I don't love God's Word like I should. I mean, I come to church every Sunday and I say I believe in this book and I say that this book is important. And I say I'm a Bible-believing Christian, but during the week, I don't ever even open the Bible to read it. I barely even open it when I come Sunday or Wednesday. I want to love God's Word more. Or maybe within the pages of God's Word, you have heard the gospel message or you've heard it proclaimed elsewhere and you are ready on this day to come and confess the name of christ and become a follower of of god become one with christ in baptism boy we'd love to help you with that we'd love to witness that we'd love for you to become a child of god this morning if you have a spiritual need why don't you come and make it known as we stand and sing